Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Hey there, welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 66, and this week we have somebody from Denmark. His name is Henrik Jeppesen. And Henrik has probably the shortest introduction, which is fine, the shortest introduction ever made on this podcast of the guest himself, because the guest usually writes their own uh, introduction themselves. And and it goes like this, Henrik Jeppesen visited every country in the world just before his 28th birthday. And you wonder, every country? Yes, every country. Listen to the episode and you'll know exactly what how, how many countries he actually has visited. Plus, the tips, of course, they're pretty good as well. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning or good afternoon. I have no idea where you are, but I'm pretty sure you're going to tell us. Henrik Jeppesen, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's actually, uh, I stumbled across you. I don't know actually how I found you, but somehow I was interested, like a lot of other people you told me, are interested in actually hearing your story. We'll hear your story, of course, in a moment. I guess it was Twitter that we first bumped into each other. Still um, still a good platform for that. Henrik Jeppesen, tell us a little bit, please, um, about yourself, uh, where you come from, um, where you are right now, and what is your cultural frame of reference? My name is Hendrik. I grew up in Denmark in an area called Chi, which has um, Denmark's uh, first national park. So it's very, uh, it's very beautiful surroundings. Uh-huh. Uh, there was not much to do. So when I was young, I, I had, you know, have to find things that I would enjoy in life, and that uh, very early on became travel. Uh-huh. So I started to travel uh, when I had a chance to go with other people, but uh, when I was 17, I could start traveling on my own. So I went alone to Egypt and Southeast Asia. And that's where I got the, the real travel book. Uh, uh-huh. And then I decided to to set a first goal of visiting uh, 100 countries. Originally, it was 50. But then I realized, okay, you can actually travel far away. It's not that dangerous as you see on television. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then when I reached 100, I wanted to do all. So that's pretty much it. Yes, you, you actually mentioned something that I've been I've been saying to other people as well, and they don't often understand what it is. You mentioned this world travel bug. What's a travel bug? It's not it's not I a guess, disease, right? No. no. Well, in some ways, you could maybe argue it is because it you, you kind of make uh, travel your number one priority in life, and that means which we can maybe talk about later uh, that you have to sacrifice uh, for, for other things. So, so you, you, you make travel because you love travel so much, mm-hmm. you make it such a big priority in life. And is it, is it the, is it the travel itself or is it the destination for you in general? Um, I would say that it's, uh, I travel mostly because of people. Yeah. So my best experiences around the world it's not when I go to take a photograph of the Eiffel Tower or things like that or main sites. It's mostly with people uh, having a, a, an evening where you sit down and talk to a stranger for two, and three, two, and two or three hours. Yeah. And after that conversation, you, you walk back to maybe your room or where you're staying and you just you feel 
you you know you feel amazed uh, you feel that this is i mean this, this is my best moment is really with with people i mean then you you feel like you have a new friend after two or three hours and many people around the world you know you, you i would say a lot you know you connect with them very well you have uh, things things in common and also you hear amazing stories and that's that's for me it's what i like most probably about travel is is my interactions with people yeah yeah, it's something I've been traveling myself a lot as well. And I always tend to compare it with, um, you know, going to a nice restaurant is, is nice. If you, if you're into these kind of things, of course, like the, the treatment, the, the Michelin star, also if you're into that, but that only lasts for one Very evening. Much. And what I think is, you know, traveling is something that when the experience is something you can never, nobody can take that away from you. And I think that's the lasting thing for me, at least that's made this travel bug stick with me for so long. Yes, definitely. I mean, there's also one saying, uh, if you've been to one Four Seasons Hotel, you have been to all of them. And I definitely feel now when I stayed, I, I recently uh, stayed in Four Seasons in the Maldives, yeah. in the same hotels as I stayed in 2010 in the beginning of my travels. In 2010, it was absolutely amazing. Now, after I think 1,500 maybe luxury hotels, it, it's just not the same anymore. Hmm. Uh, but with people, you always get excited about meeting new new people. Um so, so that's, that's, I think what keeps me going, but also I do love these, uh, luxurious experience. You talk about Michelin. Yeah. I think, you know, you talk about cultures being different everywhere. Food is also different everywhere and each chef has things he can do. And, uh, you know, you just, I, I like, that's another interest I've developed mm-hmm. through travel is, is food because back home I was eating very unhealthy. I was not eating, um, I did not know much about food and what they, you know, just terrible what many of these companies put into food. So through traveling around the world and trying good food, I developed this interest in it. So that's another good thing that came out of, of my travel blog. Yes, indeed. Very good. Very nice. Now, I want to go back basically to the beginning because you said I grew up in an area in Denmark where there's not, there wasn't much to do. So you had to venture out and you decided to travel at the age of 17. But why on earth or how on earth did you get to the idea of I want to visit all countries in the world? How many countries are there in the world currently? Because it does change occasionally. Yeah, um, the official number would be 193. That's the members of United Nations. But mm-hmm. then you have observer states. So I think that brings it up to 198. Yeah. But then you also have a lot of territories, uh, meaning like Greenland, Tibet, and places like that. Mm-hmm. And that add up to a list of 325. So of official countries, member of United Nations, there's 193. For me, it was, it was, uh, it was a process. I wanted to do 50 because I thought, Pretty much anywhere outside Europe, when you see the news as a kid, you think it's very dangerous, but it's not really the case. Mm. Um, so as soon as I started to to travel on my own when I was 17, uh, I, I set a goal of 100 countries because for sure I would never go to Iraq or Afghanistan. I, of course, did not want to be killed. Yeah. But then the more you travel, you realize that people actually visit these places and have no problems. Mm. Um, very, very few. Uh, I mean, it's all about having local contacts wherever you go so if you do the proper amount of research you can you can actually visit these places and they're very pleasant like experience uh, Afghanistan as a tourist is absolutely fantastic so it's just it's, it's a matter of priorities a matter of research and uh, I mean it takes like forever to plan these places it, it, mm-hmm. it's it's so much effort you put into it and so much sacrifice and other ends of your time yeah. but I think in the end I'm very happy I've done it but I probably wouldn't do it twice because I don't live maybe for 1,000 years so yeah, yeah uh, but course. for the time I've spent now I think it's been well worth it 
And you said, so you have, I would guess, uh, visited all the 193 countries, official countries in the world that are hooked up to United Nations, correct? Yeah, definitely. And I put a, a photo and um, a stamp from all the countries that gave me a stamp on uh, uh -huh. one of the stamps and then one of the photos from each country on my website. I, I think I'm the first person to do that. So mm -hmm. I think in total, there are around 100 people that have claimed to have visited every country. Yeah. But in that, within that list, there will be lots of people, I think, that has just, that have counted airport stopovers. So you will maybe fly into Saudi Arabia because it's just a difficult country to visit. You'll maybe mm -hmm. spend an hour in the airport and then fly out. And I don't count that as visiting no. a country. I, I have have to go inside the country yes however i have also not many people uh not many but some people think you should spend uh, x amount of days in a country for it to count but i mean i've been there but i went to syria in december during the war mm -hmm. it was it was a long long process i got the visa through uh, the ambassador in north korea of all countries and uh, i only went in for a day trip uh from beirut saw damascus city uh, got a tour of city tour of damascus and then went back into uh into Beirut. The reason for this is simply that I do not want to take unnecessary risk of spending longer than necessary. I've already seen the site. So I cannot say I have spent, uh, stayed, uh, sleep, slept overnight in every uh, country in the world, mm -hmm. but I have uh, tried and, and experienced as much as I could also within, um, within budget. Like if you go to many of these dangerous countries, mm -hmm. there's also cost involved in staying there, yeah. Uh, yeah. security wise and things. So. Yeah. Um, and so what's the total number? Because you said there are more than 193 countries because you've got the territories and the, well, the unofficial countries as well. So what's your total number at this moment? I've been to 289 countries and territories out of the 325, but I'm not sure if I can ever complete it. There are three destinations in the world mm -hmm. where, where it's almost impossible for tourists to go. You have British Indian Ocean Territory, which is located beneath the Maldives. Mm -hmm. It's an American-British, it's owned by Britain, but Americans use it as well for the military base. Yeah. So it's a no-go zone for tourists. And then you have Wake Island in the Pacific. I think there's been one or two trips for tourists in 30 years. Mm -hmm. And then you have Midway Island, also in the Pacific, uh, also very difficult to, to visit. So I have to find an alternative way to get there, get some special permission. If I don't do that, I will not be able to visit all the territories of the world. So what what's with Wake and Mid, uh, Midway? Uh, American, I think it's American uh, military base, uh, Wake Island. And uh, it's really, there, there's no reason for tourists. Really, it's a beautiful island, but they don't they don't want people to come in and interrupt maybe all the time, I think. And Midway, I think now is in nature. I can't mm -hmm. remember. I think it's something they have, uh, they have uh, maybe nature reserve, some, not nature reserve, they have. Well, we have to go on because I can't really remember what Midway is, but it's very difficult to visit it. Yeah. It's three of the of the places. I probably should do more research. But I remember that you can volunteer. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually contacted Midway Island, and it's usually happened over Christmas when I would like to be with my family. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, the, one of them said I could come for two weeks and, and volunteer, but you have, to, you have to pay money to do that. So right. it's, I think, two or $3,000 or things like that. So mm -hmm. that would be a way to visit it. But I would, of course, love if I could just join maybe yeah. a cruise ship in the future so you you spend a day instead yes. of spending two weeks volunteering. So I think definitely has something to do with wildlife or, or nature. Um, but I haven't done proper research on, on that uh, island, which hardly anyone knows about in the world. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. we go on, um, uh, South Pole, I'm planning a trip to the South Pole uh, and Queen Modeland, and that will take off the seven um, Antarctic destinations. There uh -huh. are seven different claims in Antarctica. Uh, in that list of territories, so so there's a, there's a lot of lot of dif different destinations that few people know about, and um, 
and how these, this territory works. But the reason I decided to do all territories as well is that if you go to places like Greenland mm-hmm. and um, Tibet and, and these places, they really much feel like their own country, like Denmark owned Greenland. But yeah. Greenland is so different from Denmark and Tibet is so different from China. Mm. So in order to have a more better understanding of the world, mm-hmm. I can never have a full understanding because I can't visit every single small region of the mm-hmm. world. I think that would take me a lifetime mm-hmm. or more. But yes. but I can definitely, by going to all these territories as well, have a, a very good understanding, I think, of the world and the differences. Okay. You, in your, on your website, um, you say, and what is your website again? I've got the uh, the tab open. It's Henrik Travel. Dot com. Yeah. And Henrik is spelled H E N R I K and then travel.com. Um, yeah. Site, a lot of, yeah. Sorry. In a lot of countries, they put in a D or C. So, yeah. Exactly. I don't know what you do in the Netherlands. I'm, is it with D or C? Uh, with a delta, with a D. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Hen- Henrik works for me. I mean, it's, the pronunciation is close if you're fast enough in pronouncing, pronouncing it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you say that in, in certain countries are more challenging than others. So, of course, I'm interested in what were they. If you could list the three most challenging countries to either, uh, to, I guess, to be, to visit, to be. And, and why are they challenging? And, and give us a share as a story or three, if you can. Yeah, I will start with Equatorial Guinea. Um, it's actually visa-free for Americans. I think it's because of oil. Um, they have a, a lot of oil there. and It's a very rich country. Mm-hmm. But very difficult for Europeans to visit. It's they kind of don't want visitors from Europe, uh, from anywhere than America, it seems. But um, I, the first time I tried was I contacted uh, their embassy in Pretoria, South Africa, and they tried to help me. Yeah. Didn't work out. Then I spent a week and sitting and waiting, maybe a total of eight hours at the embassy in Libreville. They said that I would get it on Monday and. Uh, I just came Monday uh, after, I mean, it's wasting a week really in Libreville for that reason. They said, sorry, we can't help you. And that was absolutely horrible. And then I went to Lagos, Nigeria, and that's a place where money talks. So yeah. if you have, just pay a little bit extra, usually things can work. So I don't know if that was the official price, but I paid around, I think, 250 between 200 and $250, so the most I've ever paid for the visa. And I explained my story. Uh, story I uh, went in with a A4 paper about what I'm doing and I mm-hmm. said, I really need this visa. You can really, I mean, I was really trying to explain that if they could help me on this one, it will, it will make my life a lot easier. And uh, I got it the same day. It was absolutely amazing to get that visa because I was, I was very frustrated after two, wasting so much time trying to get it. Yeah. And it's an amazing country. Uh, I think they are. Nigeria you're talking about. Or, uh, no, Equatorial Guinea, the okay. one I'm, I'm, I got the visa for. Yeah. Nigeria is actually, I think, one of the most underrated countries in the world because you have all the negative stories from the re- media about the Ni- Nigerian scammers. But you have to keep in mind that Nigeria is such a big country. Yeah. So uh, obviously there would there will be bad people everywhere in the world. Mm. Um, but then Equatorial Guinea is an amazing country, and they have actually on the main main island now where they're they're moving the capital city from an island mm-hmm. into the mainland. And that mainland has uh, incredible European, like European style infrastructure. So you can drive uh, 200 kilometers an hour uh, on, on their highways. It's, it's, but there's hardly any cars. It's very bizarre and very, very interesting experience. Um, I, w- I would love to go back to that country. That's kind of like a, a, one, a very special place for me. Once because, one, because it's um, very difficult to visit and also hardly any tourists at all. And uh, the third is that it, it is beautiful and uh, 
and an astounding country. Um, other difficult places, uh, Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they allow tourists as such. I mean, they don't have a tourist visa, so you have to go for business purpose or have mm-hmm. a sponsor. I was very lucky that many hotels have sponsored me in this journey. So Radisson Blue decided to sponsor my stay. Okay. It's actually very easy once I got that approval from Radisson Blue. But until that point, it was I was always concerned about if I could ever visit Saudi Arabia. What do you and think of the very, country? Very interesting. It's very much like Dubai, but a little bit more Arabic. You don't have all the a lot of uh, foreigners from Western countries. It's mostly uh, Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, some expats works there because uh, it can can help the country to get expertise from outside. But yeah. uh, it it it's very interesting, and they have uh, a kingdom uh, tower in um, in Riyadh, a very unique building, and they have many they have a. Uh, Many beautiful sites. Uh, actually, Radisson also arranged the car just to drive me around wherever I wanted. So mm-hmm. I was taken very well care of in, in Saudi Arabia. I like being taken very ca- good care of when I travel, <laughs> of course. But I also like to have a good uh, good comfort. I, I, I don't enjoy – I tried to sleep two times in dorm uh, beds in hostels, and yeah. I was never able to sleep. So I'm, I'm never going back to that. I would rather sleep in a – I've slept – um, kind of changing subject, but I would rather sleep sleep in uh, a public uh, toilet, uh, which I have done, uh, especially in airports or yeah. or that places because you can not you can close the door. So some places like Brisbane Airport is ac- it was actually quite comfortable and super clean. So I would never sleep in a dirty toilet or things like that. Mm. But uh, many airports I've slept in feels much nicer, I think. Than yeah, I just can't this small room with lots of strangers trying to sleep together i think it's for me it it doesn't work it doesn't work for me but um uh thankfully i've gotten a lot of these hotels that have helped me out uh you've the third third country that was Mm -hmm. difficult to visit i um i'd have to think about that one people think north korea but it's actually a very easy easy one to visit um you only need to get a double entry visa uh, to china and then the tour operator will take care of the rest. It's very, very simple and easy to visit North Korea. And I think it's the most interesting country in the world. Why? Um, tell, tell us the story. Yeah. While I think about the third most difficult one, I will just uh, think about North Korea. It's, it's because it's like a bizarre experience. It's like stepping into a movie and mm. it feels like everything is uh, arranged. Everything is... Uh, is is fake like you you they pick you up in the airport they take you to a park and then suddenly uh there's hardly there's uh, like no people and then suddenly a very well-dressed woman comes in and it's just supposed to look natural and uh it is, there's so many bizarre experience when you travel there but the good thing about it is i'll tell you some travel tips for north korea you can yes. go very cheaply on a day trip for only around 200 euros if you're already in china and has the double entry visa mm-hmm. But if you want to go cheaply, you have um, ultra budget um, trips with the Young Pioneer Tours. It's a budget tour operator for North Korea. And I think that's 495 euros where you have a proper experience of North Korea. But the ultimate experience, which I was lucky enough to have, is to go in a private tour. Mm-hmm. So you, you, I traveled with an, um, an Englishman and um, a friend of mine, and uh, we just had sites to ourselves. I mean, they have incredible, beautiful nature, these places, and you can just – you can just spend an hour or two or whatever long, long you want, and you can have that World Heritage sites. It was you know you can have it for yourself. There's no tourist around, and those kind of moments is, is really fantastic. And you have all the the buildings and all the uh, let's say promotion of the dear leader everywhere and mm-hmm. uh, paintings of him and things. It's very very interesting. And visiting the uh, the DMC um, DM set uh, the, the 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 line between 
North Korea and South Korea was the also very militarized zone. Yes, exactly. Yes, um, and I've actually it's interesting with Korea. It was actually one of the reasons I started traveling. Uh, I was very inspired by foreign films, uh-huh. and I think actually South Korean cinema is one of the best in the world. When I see a movie, some of the best movies from South Korea, it's the same kind of thing with with my love for Italian cinema. Is that you think that Hollywood could not have made it? that way they could not have made it this good and when they try to remake it it usually ends up being terrible yeah. so uh, so that's also another thing i like what you can see in terms of culture differences it's really much in the movies you watch especially if you watch uh films from um, korea russia mm-hmm. italy um, even some movies in germany you get the you get the feeling that this could not have been made in mm-hmm. um in hollywood you know you get this unique feel of something very different uh, in in South Korea, it's very much the um, I would say that the, the, the themes, they the, the music, uh, how it, it it it's put in, and the, the way they, uh, they shoot the films, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 a different kind of experience. Uh, but still, they if you look at a, they had a movie, a popular war movie um, called Brotherhood of War, mm-hmm. and if you look at the, uh, the, the 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 scenes in that movie, they're very very well produced still. Because usually, what I find the problem outside Hollywood. Is that they are not able to um, the quality of the films, the scenes. They, they they pretty much can only make drama to a certain level because that's also what we in Denmark are famous for. Because we cannot compete with Hollywood when it comes to that massive production and mm. shooting those amazing scenes. Mm. But I think South Korea was an interesting exception. But um, yeah, I, I'm keep changing subjects, so I guess no, you have to ask a new question. That's what travel does, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, there's a real conversation. You need to just talk and without thinking too much about the question. I mean, I just but, went um, downstairs and got myself some coffee. I mean, you can just keep on talking <laughs> with all your experience. Yeah, so. but I, I also have to 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 answer questions. So I will I would I will probably ask you what is the next question. Okay, my next question would be <laughs> Henrik. No, it, it's there are certain. I've done my fair share of travel, not as much, not as extensive as you have. But at, at a certain moment, when you've traveled or you've seen enough countries, it's like, okay, these places, I, you know, I'd like to visit again. But also on the other side of the of the spectrum, there are places that I'd rather not go again. You know, it's so yeah. that must have go gone for you as well. And this is so. Yeah. The question is, irrespective of the fact that you, that you could get a visa, say you can just a you could get a visa instantaneously. Which countries would you not go back anymore, and why not? If you look at a map of people, uh, people's map of where they've traveled, it's usually left out big, big portions of Africa, and there's mm-hmm. a reason for that. Mm-hmm. They are very hard to travel in, very bad infrastructure, a lot of cor- corruption. Uh, War or um, there was definitely back in the 90s lots of wars, but today there's a few still going on, a lot of conflict, mm-hmm. um, political unrest, things like that. So I would say a lot of countries in Africa. You However, would not you like still, to go back to? I would not like to go back to, but still you find some amazing exceptions in Africa like Rwanda, which is one of my favorite countries in the world. And several places in West Africa are actually completely safe and fine to travel, mm-hmm. absolutely love, serially owned, despite having despite being asked for money um often there and uh, it's it's just a beautiful country with with world class uh, beaches mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they could have so much tourism i mean it's not that far from europe so yeah. uh, if they just had better infrastructure and more i would say more development for for traveling it could be such a big tourist magnet like you have kenya and uh, tanzania today tanzania yeah so 
but the, the countries I really dislike is because of unfortunate events that happened to me in those countries. Like in uh, South Sudan, my uh, passport was stolen. Mm. Um, at a, uh, no, that was not. That was in Gambia, which I actually like. I was sorry. My taxi driver went to prison in South Sudan. Mm, okay. And, and uh, Gambia West, is Western Africa. Yeah, it was actually very pleasant. It was just an unfortunate event that someone stole my passport. I then, I then got it back by screaming and crying in front of hundreds of people. So that was the right thing to do at that time. Uh, and that was very, I was very happy because if you lose your passport in an African country, you might have to stay there for long yeah. uh, to get a new one, yeah. uh, to leave the country. But in South, uh, sorry, in, what was it? South Sudan, mm-hmm. I think my least favorite country in the world, constant conflict, if not war for many years. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the taxi driver, uh, which was showing me around the city, he got to prison for taking a photograph of me in front of a building that uh, supposedly was not allowed. Hmm. So there came some kind of um, police. They were not dressed as policemen, uh, but they they um, they stopped and they checked my photo my my, my photographs and hmm. uh, asked me to delete. Uh, I think one or two of them and. Um, then they uh, they asked me if I was journalist because mm-hmm. I mean they don't really get tourists there so it's very strange to see maybe me in South Sudan in yeah. capital called Juba um, but they allowed me to go I was very worried I had to go with him so allowed me to go but then actually who who arranged my transfer in that country was a Kenyan guy and mm-hmm. um, and he it was a brother to this taxi driver and he said he got him out again later on but it was it's just very very difficult mm-hmm. and dangerous in these countries. Yeah. Um, but still foreigners go there, there's, there's business going on. And that's also why uh, people decide to, to do like transfer service like this Kenyan guy in the country because it's, you can charge a lot of money in these kind of countries yes. for, for these services because people want safety. People want to get there safe uh, in and out. Um, sure. yeah. Central African Republic is another country where I think probably felt the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was asked not to walk the streets, but I wanted to explore and I like adventure. So I did it anyway. And mm-hmm. uh, I got into trouble with soldiers that wouldn't let me go and threatening me and things like that. So Don't you think to yourself, was, Hendrik, this is really stupid what I've just been doing and I won't do this again? Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think it's like uh, I, I like still visiting these countries because mm-hmm. you get to also appreciate where you come from and, and you don't have to go through the things that they go, go through. But also it's like watching, I think, uh, animal cruelty or, or things on YouTube. It's absolutely horrible to watch, but it's also kind of necessary because you want to know the truth about what's really mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing about traveling to many of these countries, especially like the Central African Republic. There's an amazing documentary called The Ambassador, uh, which uh, actually shows how corrupt it is and how dangerous it is and, and that people live under absolutely horrible conditions. Mm. And seeing that, but even then, even in that country, I found some absolutely amazing people. Mm, I can imagine, uh, oh, of course. So, 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 it's 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 you you can't get a perfect package when you travel. I think you have to you have to make sacrifices along the way, especially if you want to visit every country. But it's, for me, it was like uh, Central African Republic was probably not on my original list. Or it definitely wasn't. Mm-hmm. But then again probably 175 or 80 country was. So then I think, why not do the last countries and then you can get to do um, yeah. interesting talks about your travels and on podcasts and things like that, you know? Yes. Just like this one. Uh, so exactly. th- that, th- this was the negative approach and we also should have uh, the, the, the shiny um, the metal side, of course. Um, I know what your f- most favorite country is because it actually comes out in the, um, in the independent, in the newspaper there. So, but give, give us a quick list of, of your, your most favorite, your, say your three most favorite countries. And why, of course? 
Yeah, it's difficult to make a top three, and mm. I think it's ever-changing when people ask me. I, I usually just take three random ones because there are so many. But I would say Italy, New Zealand, and South Africa maybe. Uh, Italy is really for the food, but then I'll also put in France. I think they're the two best food countries in the world because I like fine dining. I like those Michelin spirits you talked about. Okay. I do think that's the best food in the world. Yeah. I think with food, you pretty much get what you pay for. Of course, you can find some good uh, hidden um, places uh, around the world that are, that, that are very good at mm-hmm. a reasonable price. But I think the absolute best meals I've ever had has been in, in those very um, fine dining Michelin restaurants. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, when they put your passion, their life, they put their passion and life into to those restaurants. There was a, a three-star Michelin chef in France that lo- lost his star and he committed suicide. It just tells you how much, how important, uh, I think it was on the same night, but uh, that he lost it. it. It just tells you how important it is for those people. It's, it's bad in some ways because they're really under constant pressure. Mm. But also many of these chefs, they don't make much money. They, and also because you cannot fill this, like not, not like a McDonald's that maybe has 10,000 yeah, customers in a day, you know. So, uh, so I'm 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 a big admirer of these these people uh, all around Europe, you know, around the world that commit their lives to great food and yeah. uh, and has that as their passion. But um, the other countries is very much because of um, we take South Africa is because of the amount of things to do and see, mm. and such a diverse country. It you is. know, you have world class beaches, you have uh, the wine yards, uh, the garden route, you have uh, a ma- world class safari, one of the best safari countries in the world. And you have great cities like Cape Town, uh, I think is one of the best cities mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Johannesburg has a bad reputation in the media because of high, high crime rate, but I think it's one of the most underrated in the world. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it when I lived there. I actually lived in South Africa until May this year. I had it as my base, uh, yeah. but it didn't really work out for me living there. It's very different to live there than to, to, to just travel around. Sure. And, and uh, I, I also now, I've been back in Denmark for a while, and I, I don't think I can really stand still after so many years traveling. I I think I constantly have the need to keep exploring because there's so many things left I still want to see. Uh, about New Zealand, it's just such an amazing, wonderful country and very safe. Uh, on the other hand, like South Africa had, um, has this problem with crime mm. and New Zealand is, is very safe. I enjoy hitchhiking there. Even if I'm running late for the airport uh, or there's just maybe I have two, three hours to reach it, I would not take a bus to be on a safe side because I feel confident that I can get a, a, a ride with a local. Yeah. So that's what I did when I stayed in a hotel. I would save the money on the bus and then just put up my thumb. And sure enough, after two minutes, someone picked me up. So I, I hitchhiked there several times. Mm. And um, I think it's the best country in the world to hitchhike with some of the smaller Pacific islands, but of the more Western countries, the more travel countries, New Zealand is the best place to start. And mm-hmm. if you can teach yourself how to hitchhike, to feel comfortable hitchhiking, I mean, you can bring down your budget a lot. Like you, you can... You, I mean, you you can save a lot a lot of money, so you you don't have to spend that on taxis or on public transport. Well, we're so, we're not here to talk about a course on on how to hitchhike, of course, although that might be interesting um, for some other uh, episode. What I am interested in in and that's something you mentioned before we actually hit record as well is how do you fan- financially support yourself? I've I have got like two or three questions left, and then we're we're uh, we're about half an hour in the podcast now, so that's about the the time that I allocate for a podcast. So, how how do you support yourself financially with this, with all this? Yeah, sure. Well, I have to mention this about hitchhiking because it's really one of the main reasons I've been able to finance this uh-huh. is because I have been in with more than one thousand cars. I've hitchhiked and saved me thousands of dollars. Um, but uh, besides this, I have uh, pretty much looked at everything I spent. So I try to stay with local people. 
uh, or hotels if they sponsor me. So I mean, spend zero on accommodation. Don't spend anything on accommodation. If you don't manage to get anything arranged for the night, then I'll just uh, uh, force myself into sleeping in a public place. Mm-hmm. Very rarely I have had to pay a small uh, fee and use some maybe some hotel points or things like that to to finance this. So so um, after the first, uh, I mean the last. F- Five years, maybe four or five years, I have not really spent much on uh, accommodation, um, hardly anything. And then uh, with, with flying, I usually tell people is that they should look for low-cost airlines, uh, the promos of, of low-cost airlines. So when they have a lot, uh, when they have a promos, you should book a lot of tickets because then you can really take off a lot of countries in yep. once. So if you have two months, then you book maybe uh, 15, 20 tickets like Air Asia, you can book all these tickets very cheaply. Mm-hmm. Even down to I think three dollars, you know, Ryanair, EasyJet, these European airlines—they're very cheap when they have promos. So you just book yeah. a lot of tickets, and that really can can add up a lot of destinations and countries you have visited. So those are the main two. If you cover the transport and uh, accommodation, you come a long way. Then I try to eat in supermarkets if I don't get any food, uh, say sponsored or arranged for the for the evening. And then I try to. Um, how do you how do you uh, eat in supermarkets? How does you are you just are you sneaking away, opening a can of beans, and just Eating it? I know sneaking away. I, I never, I would never steal anything. Uh-huh. I would just, uh, I, would, I would never steal in supermarkets. I would just go in and buy cheap stuff. Uh, like especially in Asia, you can buy oh, like okay. a cup noodles, and then you can, you can. They have actually a, 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 a what do you call it? Hot water. You can just take right. free of charge. So, so I'm not doing anything illegal. Okay. I'm just taking a very cheap, uh, cheap uh, meal, like yes. for uh, maybe twenty to fifty cents in many countries. You, uh, I mean, in Asia, I did that. Now, now nowadays, I try to eat very healthy and mm. not some processed uh, meal but uh, when i was on a really extreme budget i would do extreme things like that mm. and um yeah in, in in supermarkets in europe you can you can buy food that you can eat as a as a meal replacement instead of a proper meal so yeah. that could be bananas that could be some cookies and things like that yeah but it's just it's just really when you have such a low budget as i have you, yeah. you, you do some extreme things to survive in the long run because i would much rather do that for a few years than giving up my dream of visiting every country and then maybe go back and 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 then get a regular job. Maybe you fall in love, and then you can't travel anymore. So it's it it was for me my way to survive this journey was to really look at everything I spent and do it to the extreme. Yes, it's it's, it's like, it seems like you sort of can read my mind in terms of which where I want to go with these with, with the one of the last questions is you your goal was to visit all countries in the world before the age of what was it young. 28. So I visited it three days before 28. Can I ask you how old you are now? Twenty-eight. I I, I visited the last country a- April April first this year when I was twenty-seven. Okay. So that was my deadline. All right, and then so my my one of my last official questions is, if you want, is um, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I don't think I will ever grow up. Maybe I don't know, but maybe I you think I am. I mean, what's the what what's the purpose? What's the goal? There? What do you want to do? Well, I've already achieved my goal. I, I actually make money now on my travels, and uh, this this is just what I want to uh, live off. I think the rest of my life, I don't have any. I want to live a very simple life, but in what would constantly involve with travel. Yeah. So I have different kinds of income uh, from from travel and. Uh, because of my travel so i have created this job uh, which i don't know what to call but a lifestyle. Uh, I have, it's actually a lifestyle a, a lifestyle, yeah. lifestyle maybe yeah so and i'm very very fortunate with that but uh, i want to live uh, very simple so instead of uh, i was focusing a lot of blog posts before mm-hmm. is maybe writing uh, 
trying to write two or three great articles a day, but I text tons of time. So I focus a lot on social media now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I focus on doing lectures, and uh, yeah. every time you do an interview, more people will follow you, I think. Yeah. So uh, those those kind of things. Okay, excellent. Um, we will get to how, where, and where and how to get in touch with, uh, with you. My last question is always with every podcast, can you give us three tips out of your own experience, out of all the travel that you've done, three tips to become more culturally competent? Just from from your own experience. Yes, um, you should travel to uh, a country that makes you uncomfortable. So uh, really to open your mind about people from that country. I'll give you an example like Iran, I think has the friendliest people in the whole world. If you look at Iran, just sitting maybe in a place like where I was from, countryside of Denmark, you maybe not think too positively about Iran mm-hmm. based on uh, the government's actions and what they what they do in terms of politics. They would you would maybe have a negative opinion about it. But then if you go to Iran, you would see that they are probably the warmest and friendliest people in the whole world, and you'll have an absolutely amazing experience. And if you ask other people that have been there, they'll think all almost all of them will tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a favorite among many well-traveled people. So that would be one advice. Yes. Uh, always try to be open-minded. So if you can. Even though you feel uncomfortable saying yes to certain things you, when you travel, uh, try to say, I mean, don't go into a scam like uh, if, if there's things in the street or things you feel uncomfortable with. But general, if you're invited to something, try and say yes. Try to get that cultural experience. Yeah. Try to look for um, cultural events when you travel. Um, that would be another thing. So so that's, definitely try to go in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. I would say as a teenager, I was maybe not so open-minded, but that changed. Yeah. But uh, but you can kind of like teach or force yourself to have an open mind by going out there and, and travel. Sure. Yeah. And the third one, uh, Henrik? Yeah, I thought I already covered the third one because I have to think about the third one. I don't know what that would be. Maybe uh, always try to talk to people. That would be another thing when you travel. Uh, I, uh, I, I Nowadays, we have the mobile phones that take up so much of our time. But it's not until, well, smartphones with internet and, and what have you, apps and all that. Yeah. But before that, I actually had to talk a lot to people mm. to not be completely bored. Yeah. So try don't don't maybe don't get an uh, what's it called um, this portable device to charge your your phone on the it it'll be fine if it goes out of battery then you yeah. have to talk to people so yeah. uh, try to talk more to locals I think it's uh, it's a, not a maybe a small tip you know yeah it makes it makes good sense because I mean only then you can you get the real experience be and talk to real people be amongst real yeah. people and talk to real people Henrik if people do want to get in touch with you or follow you how do they how can they best do that. Uh, my website is hendricktraveler.com as we talked about before and that's actually my social media handle on, on all uh, the top three social media Twitter, Facebook, Instagram Hendrik Travel Okay, and Twitter as well Wonderful. Alright, thanks so much for your time. What's your next destination? Uh, I'm currently trying to fully explore my own country but then actually starting from January I am uh, I'm trying uh, to travel full time by car in Europe because there's so much of the countryside I haven't yeah. seen and I'm very excited about visiting. Okay. Uh, if ever you come back and uh, or you visit Belgium give me a call and uh, I'll I'll show you from the local perspective the uh, the Belgian countryside. Awesome. All right. Fantastic. Thank thanks, you. Thanks so much for, again for your time and effort. I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. That'd be great. Take care. Thank you for having me on. Sure. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. 289 countries, uh, Henrik. That's quite amazing. Out of the 193 official ones you visited, uh, 289 countries and territories and regions and areas and what have you. And... Um, 
the funny ending in terms of uh, it gives me a smile on my face so where's your next trip going i'm going to explore europe by car well why not i'm looking forward to welcome you here in the city that i live in and um, i thank you listener to the culture matters podcast very much for listening and if you like what i do i would really appreciate to leave me an itunes rating of course the higher the better the more people can then find this um, this podcast as well. I'll be back in two weeks' time with another podcast, and I'll take you to Russia that time. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.